welcome to the Low Tox Life podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and this is show number 28. I have a past guest uh, who I loved chatting to last time, so of course she's back, Brodie Welsh, a Chinese medical practitioner and self-care strategist. Now, this is not some trendy little term on, you know, paint your toenails and, and have a bath. She's a real ninja and stickler for self-care, and if you don't feel a little bit more inspired by the end of our show to look after yourself... As we know, this is a huge mission for us here in the Low Tox Life this year and one for me personally to integrate as habit as opposed to as SOS, which so many of us do when it comes to self-care, then I know I've done my job by bringing her back to you. Uh, this is the last week that we all get to benefit from the incredible 25% off at republicorganic.com.au with your low tox life or one word caps shopping code to use in the checkout to get that 25% off. As I said last week, use it as an excuse because you buy things in lots of six on their website to save on packaging and shipping costs and food miles, which of course is speaks to everything about their brand already. Why not use that as an excuse to split that with a couple of friends, catch up for a coffee or a drinking chocolate and educate softly about why you chose that brand and why you wanted to go thirds in, in it and get a couple each. And, and uh, you know, let's, let's spread that organic fair trade love far and wide. And when it comes in the gift of coffee or, or hot chocolate, I think most people would be receptive to that, especially when it's something we have every day. We have such a power to make a beautiful change in the world by supporting organic and fair trade. I just mentioned drinking chocolate then, and you'll be very pleased to know that that uh, Jacqueline and her team source their drinking chocolate from the Dominican Republic, beautiful quality cocoa, and there is no child labour in their supply or production chain from that source, whereas a lot of the cocoa in the world comes from Ghana. And there's huge amounts of child labour, slave child labour, slavery as well. These poor little people aren't even getting paid for the work they're doing. You know, it's just devastating that this still continues. And if we start to show huge multinational companies that still support the purchasing of cocoa from these places or still support underpaying or not paying at all, if we start to show them, <laughs> well, we know about that now and we're putting our dollars over this way, people won't make what we won't buy. And if we stop buying stuff that comes from irreputable or hidden sources where there isn't a sense of transparency and truth behind their production, then guess what? They're going to change things. And we see big companies making changes every day now in response to us caring more and being more aware about what goes into the making of stuff. So let's support beautiful brands like Republica because these are the guys teaching the world how to do it, still have a lovely healthy business, but how to do it right by people and planet. And by people, I don't just mean us and our health, of course, I mean every person involved in the growing and production of the products, which is a beautiful thing. So that's that on the coffee and chocolate front. Let's kick into today's show, shall we? Show number 28. I can't believe we're here already. And I hope you enjoy my chat with Brody as much as I did. Brody Welch, how are you? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again. Now, you're a wonderful Chinese medicine practitioner and one of my favorite little sort of catchphrases of anyone's work that anyone does is that you say you're a self-care strategist. And I think in this day and age, people like you are super useful. So it's great to have you back. 
Now, for anyone who missed our first show, please head to the show notes. I'll have a link back to the first show uh, Brody joined us for last year so that you can hear all about how she came to be doing what she does today. But today we are going to kick straight in because when it comes to the Chinese body clock, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) So (laughs) I was laughing with you on air. I'm going to tell the guys. We said this could kind of turn into a five-hour Skype call if we're not too careful. So um, yeah. It really could. (laughs) And last chat was so much fun. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to seeing where this one goes. Yes, absolutely. Let's see if the tangent queen can strike again. So (laughs) should we start with a basic overview of the Chinese body clock? Like I would love to know how it even came about that there was this designated approximate two-hour period for each area of the body. I mean, you know, modern science knows that the liver regenerates at a certain time, but, you know, Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years. So I would love to just have you share with us a little bit about its conception, evolution, and the basics of what exactly it is. You know, I had a feeling that you were going to ask that. So I was digging around, seeing if I could actually find when in Chinese medicine history the the body clock or the Harari cycle came about. And I don't even actually know for sure. Wow. I'm, I'm okay. definitely, I'm not a historian of the medicine, although I certainly have read um, bits and pieces of the classics because we're talking about a medicine where that goes back at least 3,000 years and our classics go back the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine is 2,200 years old. And then I, I believe that the Chinese body clock is is as old as the Tang Dynasty. So like the year uh, like 700 CE or so. Uh, but um, but I'm not exactly sure. Like what it's, I think it was probably in the Nanjing. I don't actually know. But it's old. It's in there. And it's an extrapolation of yin-yang theory, okay. essentially. Mm. And really, if I sort of like... To, to have this make sense for people, that in Chinese medicine, the worldview is that we're not these sacks of meat or these these machines with interlocking parts, that, that actually we are these, these fields of energy mm-hmm. and that the energy zips around the body through these pathways called meridians and that really that, that these pathways all interrelate and that they're named for the particular organ that they that they connect with. So in other words, a pathway on the surface of the arm called the lung meridian dives deep and connects with the lung organ. So if we want to affect the function of the lungs, we're obviously not puncturing the lungs with a needle. We're puncturing, you know, a a, a point which is kind of like an energetic portal. Uh, it's an access place for for the body's intelligence, for the body's mm-hmm. energy, and that really. Uh, that all of the meridians connect to one another. So if we start with the lung meridian, that the lung meridian emanates on the chest, comes down the arm all the way to the thumb, and then we hop over to the tip of the index finger, the large intestine meridian moving up the index finger, up the arm, up to the face, and then terminating up by the eye where it connects to the stomach channel. And then, you know, so basically it's like the, the baton is passed from from one to the other. And so the, the organ systems are divided up in these functional groups. So like lung and large intestine, for example, are this husband and wife team, this yin and yang pair that's responsible for a certain set of jobs in the body. But then organ systems are also grouped uh, in something called the six divisions um, orientation. And so they can be thought of as at like the, in that sense that the large intestine is paired with the stomach and, and has kind of that, that, that pair, like the large intestine is, 
is in the upper body, what the stomach channel is in the lower body, as in they're both called the meridians of Yang Ming. And so it's so essentially that the pattern of the Chinese body clock, it goes from yin organ to yang organ to paired yang organ to back to the yin organ. And so it's so it's basically it's yin, yang, yang, yin, yin, yang, yang, yin, et cetera, all throughout throughout the cycle. And the idea that really any any imbalance in the body is going to affect all the other channels and all the other organs. And so, it, and as energy moves through the body, there is a, a time when it is, when it's kind of most active and whether that was, some of that I think can be derived from just naturally from that, like everything in Chinese medicine, empirical observation of just what happens and like kind of how nature designed us to be versus I think also a lot of the knowledge of where the meridians go and how they connect comes from people meditating and being able to to sense the pathways internally because the pathways exist and then the points. So by developing a, a hyper-awareness, if you like, through the practice of meditation was how people realized different parts of the body were connected energetically to other parts of the body. Yeah, like that that's definitely in there. That in that internal cultivation is 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 a huge part of I think where a lot of the Chinese medicine knowledge comes from. Mm. And then of course they absolutely did that just the the history of of observing what happens to when people were given this treatment or that this herb or that point or and and passing that knowledge along through the years. And then of course, you know, things like dissection and it, it was definitely used, but of course you can't see energy moving through a meridian that no, happens course. in live people. Yeah. And so that's, that's, I think where people having that energetic sense, that internal sensory apparatus being turned on, gives us access to, to how it all interrelates. And especially because some of these organ systems that are on the Chinese body clock aren't physical organs. Like there is no Sanjiao organ or triple burner organ. There, there is no pericardium organ per se, but these are concepts in Chinese medicine. And so to, so it, to some extent, unless you're a practitioner, like the, the, there's some things on the clock that might not necessarily make a lot of sense to the layperson. Okay. Yeah. Which is why you would see a practitioner. I mean, right, I, exactly. I have been having acupuncture lately for my loud heartbeat, and uh, and the acupuncturist was working on the pericardium, funnily enough, yeah. to to settle my system down. And what I find amazing with acupuncture is, like that, there's clearly a link between all the organs because you can be having points done on your head that are affecting like a completely different part of your body, and and they affect it really beautifully. So. It makes so much sense to to tap into this wisdom around meridians and energy traveling through the body because if you think about it in modern medicine, we have one specialist that we would go to for, say, our heart, but there could be something massive going on with our endocrine system and, you know, we the, the specialists don't often talk to each other in Western medicine. Do you feel like that's one of the biggest differentiators between the two philosophies of healing and and yes, helping people uh, yeah absolutely i mean looking it, yes it's it's quite myopic to just look at the organ that's having the problem you know mm. because because it is and actually i think that's what we're seeing with functional medicine is the idea of of thinking about the relationships you know, that between between systems in the body mm. so well and and we know that sort of as we think about 
action at a distance in terms of neurotransmitters in the endocrine system. And you know, it's like that happens all the time. We know, we know that in, in allopathic medicine. And so, yeah, in, in Chinese medicine, the notion that there there's, well, the creation cycle and the control cycle. So there's the idea that that each organ system passes on its energy to another organ system and keeps somebody else in check. So there's like a rock, paper, scissors game going on. And there's also kind of energy being passed around a circle. And so thinking of that, if, if something is blocked, right, if the, if the liver is hoarding the energy, it's then the heart's not getting enough, you know, or, or that, that um, if an, an organ system is, is overacting, then it can deplete the energy of, of the organ system that it's supposed to keep in check. And so it's sort of like regulating really that, that everything all has to fit together. And so if an imbalance somewhere is going to show up somewhere else, and that's kind of the notion of, of yin and yang, balancing yin and yang in the body. When there's too much yin, there's not enough yang, vice versa. And that we can think about that within each organ system and within each channel. Mm. God, I just had this, when you were describing that, it gave me the craziest idea of a parallel between that and the faults of modern agriculture on a large scale. Like, if you think about a, a really healthy soil and healthy plants that don't have too many pests and then it'll often be, well, it'll always be some sort of companion planting uh, regenerative concept, right, where you put this plant with this plant because that guy keeps that guy in check and stops the pests yes. from coming and all that kind of stuff, whereas monocropping is like bad for the soil and it kind of depletes the energy of the soil over time and and then the pests come and then it weakens and then, oh, my goodness, like well, it's, yes, it's kind of a we, huge issue like everywhere in society. Absolutely. And we can we mm. can again take that metaphor even further at, that if we think about the body in Chinese medicine, it's really an ecosystem. Mm. And so so when we think about it and, and we use the metaphor of treating the root and the branch in Chinese medicine so that if you can imagine that that you say someone comes in and they have a digestive issue and sleep problems and uh, fertility issues and um, and there may be something going on with their vision. It's like all of those things we can connect together as liver and spleen, you know, or like we, we can look at kind of one underlying imbalance in the energy of a particular organ system or a couple of organ systems. And we treat that, we treat that root that, that gives rise to kind of all of the branches or all the different symptoms that are showing up as having a problem. So it's not like we could treat a whole multiplicity of symptoms by treating one underlying pattern. And so therefore there might be sort of that whether you're treating with acupuncture or with herbs or with lifestyle and diet, kind of any of the tools of the medicine, we're always after treating that root that's giving rise to branches that might be showing up in a number of different systems in the body or even in your emotions, right? With Chinese medicine, it has the, the mind, body, and spirit components are all there in every single organ system. And so it can, it, it really is about bringing everything into harmony and, that, and doing that in this really elegant way whereby 
when when we find the root of the imbalance, it, you know, it's like if if there is if there are plants dying in the garden, you know, that it's it, like, do we need do they need more shade? Do they need more moisture? Do they need more nutritious soil? Do they want to be like, yeah, do they need different company and figuring out kind of what's going on there and what how can we tend to the terrain such that everything flourishes? Mm, amazing, and you know, we have such a desire to overcomplicate things as human beings, and I feel like. Like sometimes Chinese medicine is brutally simple. Yeah. In, in <laughs> like, no, actually rest. You know, yeah. Just like, damn it. What? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's because, you know, the pulsation of yin and yang, it goes, you yeah. know, day, 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 night, day, day. No, actually it doesn't. It goes day, night, yeah. day, night. And we, we would actually really love it for most of us in the Western world. We, we want it to be active, moving, productive time all the time. And that's really one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that people get ill. Mm. So you're basically saying there that during the day, our awake time, we really need to put some yin into the day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, or that we at least need to respect that it, that in the cycle of day and night, that that gives us our first clue about how we're supposed to be syncing up with nature. That really, mm. you know, we're mammals. We've evolved to to be oriented towards uh, the, the diurnal cycle. So we, you know, it, basically that we get up when the sun rises and when the sun sets, we should be winding down and be doing something more quiet and more yin to prepare for sleeping and going into rest when the rest of the world is at rest, when, you know, when, when things are quiet and still and dark. And so that's, that's basically, you know, the simplest division of day and night that day would be the yang time and night would be the yin time. And that we ideally should be in fact more yang during the yang time of day because we're part of nature. Okay. So what are the yang times of day? Well, the daylight hours is like mm -hmm. are are going to be yang and and the the mm. dark hours are going to be yin. Like the, the actually the the translation of yang means the sunny side of the hill and yin means yes. the shady side of the hill and so it's yeah. like that's that's that can be how we just the first most easy division to make is is simply that. But certainly we can think about you know that Noon, when the sun is highest in the sky, is going to be the most yang time of day, and midnight is going to be a very yin time of day. And that that dawn and dusk are these transitional times, and so mm, it, okay. and each of them, you know, are are there's yang within yin and yin within yang, and so there's there's sort of there definitely is optimal times to be doing things to so that we can hook up with natural cycles, and also thinking about the fact that these aren't static. It's that in the winter time we do sleep more and we should be doing less because the days are shorter and that in summer it is normal to, to be more active. And that, that idea that, that we're connected with nature and that respecting that connection towards natural rhythms and evolving appropriately, it, it's like, that's kind of been lost in modern society where we pretty much always are, our, our days are, you know, they're 40 hour work weeks or they're, you know, that there were, there are these structures that are, are much more, human-made calendars as opposed to nature-made. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Well, I mean, it just makes perfect sense really, doesn't it? So obviously there's quite a few big issues that people seem to repeatedly have, which we can look to the Harari cycle to, to start to sort of, I guess, unpack some answers for people. 
let me take a, the idea of someone waking up all the time, same time of night. They might not technically be an insomniac. It could just be a period in their lives or they could actually just have an issue right then that they need to work on. What, what are the common things that you see in your practice that are behind those, I wake up all the time at X time of night or this time of night? Well, first, first off, uh, that's a great question, by the way. And, and generally speaking, the ability to sleep all the way through the night requires that we have sufficient yin because straight up that, that nighttime is the mm. yin time of night or is the, is the yin time. And so if we ourselves do not have enough of that cooling, peaceful energy, we're going to have difficulty staying asleep all night long. Now we can get a little bit more specific. So the most common time that people wake up at night by far in my practice is between two mm -hmm. and 3 a.m. And this is the time that we associate with the liver. And this is it's the time that the liver is supposed to be cleaning our blood and detoxifying from uh, detoxifying our lives, really. And so if we're awake at two in the morning, that of course we 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 need to know more information than that in order to diagnose. But it could be that something is going on with the liver. Either the person is metabolizing sugar or alcohol, and that can connect to like what when is the last meal that the person is eating. It can also be if they are if they're tossing and turning that that generally means that there's some heat going on in the liver. There's some restlessness. The liver likes mm. to move. Versus if the person is just mentally active, in which case it might be more kind of a mental emotional thing, which the liver is also responsible for the free and easy flow of chi in the body. So when we think about things that that we're stuck on or worried about or hung up on, it's like that can be a form of chi stagnation, right? Or energy not flowing easily in the body and creating some element of stress and tension. And so it's um so the liver can be implicated actually in difficulty falling asleep, but also especially in that waking up uh, between mm. one and three. When it, and so, so one thing that that can definitely uh, that I definitely recommend to people is so is to make sure that you are closing your kitchen by seven p.m. Okay. And this is actually, so, and, and actually this kind of segues into another little Chinese clock recommendation. So if we think about that that at between 7 and 9 a.m. is stomach time. And then it goes into 9, 9 to 11 is spleen time. And stomach and spleen are the main organs of digestion. So, it, it, and digestion and also more than digestion, supplying us with the energy and, and nutrients that we need to do mm -hmm. life with. So it's really, really important to eat something in the morning to kind of kindle your digestive fire and get it going. Cause there's the most chi in the digestive system is, is in mm -hmm. those morning hours. And so, so a Chinese medicine practitioner would be reading all of the intermittent fasting stuff. Don't eat till midday kind of thing and saying, well, if you're going to fast, like eat your dinner earlier and do it at that time of the day. Yes, absolutely. Mm, I, I'm, interesting. A huge, I'm a huge fan of the earlier, lighter dinner phenomenon, uh, because really, if we think about the notion of digestive fire, which is central to Chinese medicine, that ideally, if you think about digestive fire, that after you've been sleeping all night long, just like if you've had a campfire going, that in the morning, it's going to be these little smoldering mm. coals. 
it's not going to be super strong. So it's going to be important to tend, put a little kindling on that fire first thing in the morning. And so in Chinese medicine, we recommend eating something that's warm and cooked and ideally something with, with some protein in it because the stomach is most interested in digesting protein. Um, it, but, but also, so, so waking up and, and kindling and stoking the digestive fire with, with a good meal, but as the day goes on, as as we get more and more young, noon is actually when digestive fire is hottest. So even though the spleen and stomach have moved on from the digestive system, we then move into heart and small intestine, small intestine being what kind of takes the ball from the spleen mm-hmm. and runs with it. You know, So the spleen makes that initial um, sorting the pure from the turbid, what's useful and what isn't, passes it on to the small intestine for further sorting and passing that on to the large intestine, et cetera. So actually it, at noon is when digestive fire is hottest and when we should be eating our biggest and most complicated meal of the day, because that's when we've got uh, sort of nature's support for the fire of transformation, which really is what digestion mm-hmm. is. And it's the small intestine's job to discern kind of what's useful and what isn't. And then the idea of eating a, a lighter dinner that the, the word supper in English comes from supplement, right? So that this idea that your main meal has already happened and that dinner is just a little supplement to tide you over until breaking the fast the mm-hmm. next morning. So, so actually, if we think about the Harari cycle, if we, if we, if we back up in time, I know it started with 7 a.m. with the stomach, but what precedes that is 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., which is large intestine mm. time. So the lar- large intestine time is about pooping, right? It's about eliminating uh, from the day before. And so it's, it's like it's this, this pre-dawn hour where ideally it's like just um, waking up and hydrating until you can eliminate the waste from the day before so that you're then ready to take in the new for the new day. Mm. So what's up with people who can't do that or who have really bad constipation then? Well, then what I would recommend is starting the day with basically drinking more water, especially room temperature or tea water hot, especially if it's cold out, warmer water is nicer as, as just a way of getting flushing mm. essentially yeah, that the large large intestine um, can be prone to dryness and so that basically making sure that it has the hydration in place constipation can be caused obviously a lot of different a lot of different causes one can be that aforementioned liver cheese stagnation mm. um and so but certainly dryness is is very common and also just that spleen and stomach chi being weak so that things don't move very well. Um, that, that can also be kind of the root of it. So it can be about helping someone to, it, helping the liver to move things along, helping the large intestine to eliminate by making sure that it has enough moisture and also making sure that you're tending to your digestive fire because it takes energy to digest and to eliminate. Mm-hmm. Something else a lot of people find is that they actually just can't have an early evening meal, light meal without getting ridiculously hungry again. I guess that might be blood sugar issues or, or something like that. What does, how do we work on that with, within the clock? Well, a couple things is that, yeah, if, if you're used to eating snacks all day long, every couple of hours, you're training yourself to be hungry every couple of hours. And that, that's sort of recommended to quote unquote, stabilize blood sugar, 
but really what you're doing is you're 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 keeping the spleen and by spleen chinese medicine really means pancreas as well you're you're really keeping the spleen busy and occupied and which is quite exhausting mm. right if a system is constantly being called upon to work it never gets a break and not only that but nothing but then the the liver and gallbladder which are supposed to kind of detoxify and clean up that they never really get to do their jobs and so it, it's the kind of thing where like it may be i wouldn't suggest that people go from make a big change all at once especially you know if they are getting hungry but but starting by, to, by like okay what's it going to take for me to have a lighter dinner um and preferably and, and this is sort of the the inverse of like if the most chi in the digestive system is 7 to 11 a.m that means that there's going to be the least amount of energy in the digestive system from 7 to 11 p.m., mm. right? It, that every if, if there's sense. a peak, yeah. there's a trough, right? And so this is like you don't want to be throwing food where there's no energy in that system to handle it. And so so really, if someone's used to eating at 7 p.m., perhaps just like it, taking the, the Kaizen approach of shifting that habit in a slow 15-minute in increment way and shifting it to 6.45 and then 6.30 and then 6.15 and then pretty soon, mm. you you know, like you're eating at 5.30 and, and allowing yourself a 13-hour fast until 7 a.m. the next yeah, day. Yeah, which is a great amount of time to rest that part of the body before the fire comes back in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. And and if someone is still, you know, like I, I always encourage people to eat a little bit more fiber, fat, and protein because those are make what make us feel full and stay full longer. Um, I also find that like a scoop of coconut oil um, can be a nice thing. Like if you if someone's really dealing with blood sugar issues or or feeling just famished, that like, a scoop of coconut oil before bed can oftentimes be a fine thing, as it doesn't necessarily require the liver's contribution. Oh, that's a great tip. Scoop of coconut oil before bed. Beautiful. Yeah. Or, or just after dinner, you know, like that could, that could sometimes work for people as well. So how do we respond? Like, how do we care for people who shift work or? Oh, with great compassion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just thinking back really... to my hospitality years. I was basically completely ignoring this clock and doing pretty much the opposite. Oh, there's so many studies out there, uh, you know, that people who are working the night shift or, or even just erratically and, needing to change up their work schedules, it can put them at risk for all kinds of diseases. And, and we, it's, it's really unfortunate because sleep is so important and that it, it can just be, it's definitely an uphill battle. If you're, if you're having to work nights or you're having to change your biological clock on a regular basis, it is hard on your Chinese medicine mm. liver, which is a, a, supposed to be controlling regular timing and routine. And so really it's like, okay, maybe you're not sleeping when nature says you should be sleeping and you need to do that to make a living. Okay. You can be kind to yourself, I would say, by by automating healthy habits in your day and creating a routine for yourself, no matter when, what hour that routine occurs in. So in other words, like making sure that that every day when you wake up, you drink water, poop, meditate, exercise, like whatever it is that your mor morning routine is, keeping it the same, even if you are having to you like even if you're doing it in the middle of the night or mm. the, whatever, um, that that creating your own structure and rhythm can help the body recognize. Okay, yeah, this is when this is when this happens. Ah, great. So whatever um, kind of like if you're someone who works routinely from 
10 p.m. to 6 a.m. You just create a different routine, but routine is actually what the body's craving as long as there is one. I think so. I think so. And and as well, like if we if we overlay the Ayurvedic medicine lens on this, that the idea of um, the digestive fire corresponds with pizza in Ayurvedic medicine and pizza actually has a peak in that 10 to two window, which is why sort of falling asleep by 10 PM is magic. Because if you, if you are asleep after 10, your pizza kicks up, you get more active. It can be harder to sink into the yin of things. And you also get a peak of digestive fire. That digestive fire is supposed to be burning off toxins, you know, and detoxifying us at night. And instead it's probably burning off dark chocolate. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But, but that's sort of where the midnight snack concept comes from, right? That people can get hungry in the middle of the night. So if you're working, you know, shift work, maybe take advantage of that, of that pizza digestion time um, instead of like, instead of high noon. And make your big meal like 10 till 2 a.m. kind of time. I don't actually know. I I don't have a lot of experience working with people with shift work except, and, but the ones that do that, that, yeah, it's that helping the liver, helping the liver by creating some predictability and some structure, even when life lacks that. Mm Mm-hmm. So the night owl syndrome then, in what does Chinese medicine make of that? Because, you know, quite often you just mentioned there that you can kick into like a second wind, if you like, after 10 p.m. if you don't go to bed. Definitely being guilty of that myself. Now I'm much more of a a 10 o'clock, 10.30 kind of bedtime person. But I, I distinctly remember just having boundless energy, my mind being on fire, you know, mm-hmm. husband and child both in bed and asleep. And I just, this quiet time that everything could get done that I wanted to achieve. Is that necessarily bad for us? I, like, is, or is it something someone can go with? And again, as long as there's a routine and a rhythm, you're okay. Well, I think life is about trade-offs, right? So, so it's if someone absolutely has zero time for herself, and that's the only, you know, like that that recognizing that that you could perhaps rearrange life so that you get your me time earlier, right? So that mm. that that doesn't that isn't necessarily relegated to when everyone else is asleep, but but certainly like doing your joy and doing your creativity, that is absolutely Chinese medicine talks about the three treasures, like you know that vitality, energy, and spirit. And so like spirit or the shen, the consciousness, it needs to express itself. And actually if we think about what's going on in those later hours, that 7 to 9 p.m. corresponds with the pericardium, which is the heart protector. Mm-hmm. And the pericardium is about intimate relationships. It's about cultivating closeness with people in our lives. And so it can be a really nice time to be with your close family members, with your partner. It can be a good time to make love. It can be a good time to to be to to connect heart to heart with someone Mm. um and then so it really is kind of like it's a it's in the fire element and then the yang of the pericardium something called the triple burner or the sanjiao and the sanjiao is is a tough concept to explain but really it's it has it's also in the fire element and so if you're awake during that time it can be that your fire element is a little bit out of balance right that your fire mm-hmm. element is a little too fiery uh, to to um that you don't have enough yin to contain it basically um but yeah a lot of people sort of get they hop online and they're and and in a way like the triple burner or the sanjiao is about those relationships not with the super close people but 
community and and sort of relationships in uh, in a bigger sense. And mm. so it really it's it also inwardly it's about making sure that the relationships between all the organs in the body continue to function well, or between like it's also the sluices and waterways. So it it's anyway. Sandra has a big concept, but essentially because it's in the fire element, if you're somebody who is fiery in your nature and social and you're awake at that hour, you could totally, you could totally become a night owl in that sense. And then we go into gallbladder and liver, which have to do with creativity and self-expression. And so it's like, it's a lot of my patients who, um, who are artists love being up at that time because that's sort of naturally when that self-expressive upward and outward energy of the wood element, which is gallbladder and liver, kicks into high gear. So it's like, in a way, it's it's natural. And in a way, you know, we should be dreaming at that point, you know, like mm. we should be allowing the liver and gallbladder to, to detoxify because and making room for that kind of thing in our in our daily lives as part of it as part of a cycle that that makes sense for the whole of the organism and not just your creativity or the, the needs that aren't getting met otherwise interesting so could that you know how you mentioned earlier that it was sort of like uh what were you saying like from seven till 11 is our greatest digestive fire in the mornings and then there's the trade-off that 7 to 11 p.m is the worst could it also be that certain certain systems that are regenerating at certain times mm-hmm. mean that 12 hours later the nourishment that happened in that time that's when you know, it, do you understand what I'm trying yes. to say? I yeah, don't even absolutely. know if I'm explaining it right myself, but sure, right. Well, when we look at people who are that problems that happen at the same time of day could be that there is an excess of energy in that system, or it could be that there is a deficiency of the system that's happening at the other other side of the clock, mm-hmm. essentially. So yeah, that we we look at and actually. I've, Back in acupuncture school, I don't have any data on this, but I remember being taught that there's data on um, heart attacks happening um, at noon and heart failure happening at midnight. And, oh, wow. You know, that, because that's like heart time is 11 to 1 high noon. So if, if there's going to be an excess situation in the fire element, that might be when it happens versus the middle of the night when there's the least energy in the heart meridian and the heart organ where it, it suffers from that lack of energy. And so it, it's sort of like, yeah, both both have to do with the heart, but one is an excess condition and one is a deficient condition and that there is some data on that. Anyway, I, again, I have Very not verified that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that were true. And And the notion that that there's, yeah, so it's never as simple as just looking at, oh, what time of day is this happening? This organ must be weak. That it, it's, um, it, it of course, is a lot of factors that we, we also could be looking at instead. Uh, but what's kind of cool, too, is that for people who get acupuncture, that the time of day, that like each of the organs, so the, the organs correspond with the elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, and on each channel, there are points along the channel that are like the fire point, the water point, the wood point, the earth point, et cetera. And so the fire point on the fire channel, we call the Harari point or the wood point on the wood channel is the Harari point. And so, and that point is kind of special for all things that have to do with that particular element. And, and if you're getting like, if you know that, okay, I've got digestive problems, I'm seeing my acupuncturist for IBS or for heartburn or for chronic 
loose stools or chronic constipation or that kind of thing. It's great if you can get in to see your acupuncturist between 9 and 11 a.m. during spleen time. You know, ah, so, of course. So, so that can yeah. be a really nice time to treat and because there's sort of a natural awakeness and availability of that point. Um, and so, it, and, and same thing with jet lag, actually. If you're traveling to another time zone, it can be... Uh, a little trick is to hook yourself up stimulating the Harari point of the time zone that that you're going to <laughs> so mm-hmm. that basically it's like um, while you're in the plane or yeah exactly yeah. I did mm-hmm. that on my trip to China and actually we had like a little half controlled study of um, about half of the, the it was a Qigong group so about half of us were stimulating our Harari points and the other half were sleeping or trying to sleep and I definitely saw um, a decrease in jet lag. Again, totally non-scientific, just anecdotal, but but I've seen that be be a nice way of of just kind of syncing up with the day of where you're going. I love it. What Chinese med nerds do on a flight? Totally. Yeah, we take <laughs> set up an point, experiment. On take our ballpoint point. pens and tap our bodies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try and sneak in some acupuncture needles on uh, uh, through customs. No, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that yeah. at home, folks. Do not do that. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) flagged by TSA yeah exactly so you mentioned the heart and it's something that concerns a lot of people you know there's been a a good decade now of a resurrection of the idea that statins aren't all that they're meant to be and that the the health of the heart can be dependent on lifestyle and not only genes and not only um, uh, fats for example all these arguments are being had and you know the other day I saw uh, margarine the famous famous margarine brand in Australia now with 30% real butter <laughs> just, just made me laugh I'm like, is that your way of admitting you were wrong but not admitting you were wrong right. our whole product concept is flawed <laughs> yeah, but we're exactly. gonna... yeah. yeah so funny like a huge ad campaign around it it really just made me laugh but I would love to know from a Chinese medicine philosophy, what can we do to nourish our hearts and have healthy hearts? Oh, that's that's a really big question. Uh, oh gosh, things, sorry. Med- yep. No, no, it's great. It's like it's just, uh, it's just not simple. Uh, so, so the heart in Chinese medicine is not only the organ that pumps the blood, but it's said to be the seat of consciousness and emotions. And so, it you know, if we think about our sense of who we are is our, our sense of who we are is lives in our blood the heart circulates that around and the heart the the idea that that each of the organ systems has a bit to contribute to our perspective and it's the heart's job to integrate kind of like the conductor of the orchestra to keep to 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 bring everything together in a coherent way so the heart has a lot to do with consciousness and perception and so and the emotion of joy so the first thing that we can do to support our heart is to make sure that we're making time for joy and we're making time for love and that we're making time to uh, to do things like meditate that help us clear our perspectives you know that to that, that really what the heart is integrating is the imagination that lives in the liver our intuition which is said to be connected to the lungs our ability to focus and and have mental attention which is a function of the, of the yi and the spleen the the will or the willpower that's said to live in the kidneys, uh, and then the consciousness that integrates it all uh, that lives in the heart. So, creating and the heart really it needs to feel all the emotions and it needs to integrate. And so that requires time and space to kind of feel what's going on in our lives and to and to integrate it to make sense of it. So, 
the tendency that I see in my practice is that people try to do too much and they try to deny their humanity. So in a sense of, Oh, that is so true, isn't it? It's like, no, no, I can keep going. Right. Uh, right. No, or, you've or actually like got this, a human body. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and the, and the like, and, and minimizing the idea that actually what, what might be the right thing is to take time to have a human emotion during work hours like that let that not mm. be a terrible thing so anyway that that's kind of on the on the psycho emotional dimension of the heart oh it's so true though because i interviewed the wonderful dr stephen sinatra a few months ago on heart health and and he's like one of the leading cardiologists in america he's been practicing for f- almost 5 decades and what he decided was that he was always going to stay open minded and went from being a uh, a statin a representative lecturer to questioning the medicine and then really pulling back on only prescribing to a very small amount of people in his practice when it actually is beneficial and being very open about the fact that he still believes sometimes it can be but then most times especially for women uh, and and uh, younger people then it really isn't helpful in so many cases and but what I love that he talks about is the idea that we need to laugh more like he's yes. very holistic in his approach yes and, and laughter is the sound of the heart it's the, yes. it is the sound that in Chinese medicine is is intimately connected with the heart I love that that he mm. that he's on board with that he says <laughs> it's one of the most healing things a woman can do to prevent heart attack absolutely oh yeah. that's so great well and and really I, I uh, to, to to add to that the idea of aging in Chinese medicine is attributed to blood stasis. So capital B blood getting stuck. And so the idea that our identities get fixed around some notion of who we think we need to be, as opposed to being able to embrace all possibilities. And so our ability for, for blood to, you know, when we lock ourselves into these fixed senses of, of identity that really that like, that's not so good for the heart. It's not so good for the blood flow. And my, one, one of my Taoist teachers, Jeffrey Yuan calls it psychosclerosis, right? The hardening <laughs> of the psyche around who we think yeah. we are. Yeah, I think it's really apt. And that really like that, the idea in Chinese medicine that health is about the free flow of energy, which the liver is responsible for. Pericardium is responsible for that free flow of blood. Pericardium protects the heart from the tough emotions of life and from it, that kind of thing. And so keeping the blood flowing freely means tending to stress, tending to emotions mm. and all that. And then of course, so from, from my, from my understanding of heart disease and things like inflammation in the arteries and you know, that, that, yeah, it's not so much like what creates what creates kind of buildup and crud in the blood is it comes much more from eating things that the body doesn't know how to recognize and process and a, a ton of sugar, right? Like the mm. ver- very low density lipoproteins are the dangerous ones, the VLDLs. And that that is really having much more to do with eating processed foods that it ever did with eating fat or eating yes. animal products. So, so certainly looking at you know, if we look at where the heart is in the creation cycle and the control cycle, the heart is supposed to give its energy to the spleen and stomach. Well, if the spleen and stomach are draining energy from the heart because they're not, you know, able to process the 10,000 times more sugar that we're running through our systems than we had in previous years, uh, that that's that's going to cause problems. It's going to lead to, and as the liver and gallbladder, gallbladder is like the detergent for the blood, that as the liver gets bogged down with sugar and 
that liver and gallbladder are not able to do their jobs. Liver and gallbladder are supposed to support the heart and give energy to the heart in that way. So, so yeah, we, and, and then of course, kidney, the water element is supposed to keep the heart in check and to balance it. And so it can, and, and the kidneys, it, which would also be sort of the adrenals and it's sort of the baseline for the endocrine system that we need to make sure that we are, that we're, uh, that we're not draining our reserves by burning the candle at both ends. Mm, so important. And I'd love how many times the the idea that burning the candle at both ends is just definitely not something you can do. You can even work nights if you need to as a shift worker. There has to be rhythm and there has to be sufficient yin to yes. energize us for the next cycle. And yes. I think that's just such a it's it's a recurring theme because it's a, a really important one basically oh and this yeah. is where this is where it, it as you were saying chinese medicine is so simple but it's so true right like we are part mm. of nature and much as we might want to run our bodies as machines they're really not they're uh, they that that we need we're part of this dynamic pulsation between yin and yang and this you know in yoga it's called spanda you know or this this notion of that expansion and contraction and that's the pumping of the heart right that sort of the lub dub or the inhale exhale of the lungs it's like everything in our bodies is 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 about that and so for always wanting to just be in one mode we're we're really uh, kind of going against the grain and the against the flow mm. and do you have some advice you know I'd love to even issue a little mini group challenge out there for a baby step towards just being uh, able to wind down a little more successfully you know we're so wound up so often and uh, and I feel like like often we actually just need to a realize for ourselves without a, a significant health event happening that we should slow down for the posterity of our overall wellness. But like sometimes you, I've felt this before in the past. I'm much better at being a self care ninja now. But when I was younger, I I almost like just couldn't actually just sit down and. And chill. Like how how does someone go about it for someone who's so out of touch with what that feels like? You know, I'm talking people who go, 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 shut their eyes, go to sleep. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it works out for them and they get good sleep and that's great for them. But, you know, for most people, eventually you become an insomniac because that yang energy starts to haunt you in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. What can we what can we do to to start to be open to it and to to make a success of it because I guess I'll preface it with one more thing. So often people think, gosh, I need to relax more and then they try and embark upon some huge change Mm -hmm. and then fail by day three, the guilt, the shame, all the whatever, and they give it up and then just keep doing what they're doing. So something sustainable for every type of person for whatever level they're at in their ability to chill. Oh, well, that's easy. That's breathing. Uh, you know, that there is, and I actually, I, I may have mentioned this last time I was on the show, but I have a couple of free resources on my website, a guided breathing meditation, it, it you know, and a guided Qigong, which is essentially breathing with movement associated with it. So it's the kind of thing where like anytime our breath anchors us to the present moment and it, and being able to check in with, with ourselves in the present moment is necessary in order to be able to listen to ourselves and our bodies is really, that's, that's what it's all about is that is being in tune with yourself. And when we identify so much with the mind, like we're not the mind, right? That, that is one kind of energy that we have, but there's all these other kinds of energy that we have too. And the, the body wisdom and the, and, and if we think about sort of the layers of our being that, um, that there's there's the breath body there is you know there's the food body there's the 
it, there's the mental body in, in yoga. I'm just sort of jumping to that model at the moment, but it's true in Chinese medicine as well, that the fastest way to affect your mind is with the breath. And just getting out of your head and into your body can be as simple as following your breath into your chest and into your belly, and then letting your breath become long, slow, deep, easy and gentle. That really that is uh, just being observing your breath can help you downshift out of that kind of rapid breathing, shallow breathing, fight or flight mode, which perpetuates stress chemicals and helps you drop in to a more balanced rest and repair, rest and digest mode, which is really where we should be spending most of our time and really only gearing up activating the sympathetic nervous system, which is the, the, the fight or flight freeze response. And that's the fast track to burnout and to, for things to go wrong. And so really like the, the most important thing that we can do for our health, I believe is an easy first step is a few minutes of breathing. Even 10 conscious breaths can make a huge difference. And I encourage people to take three breathing breaks throughout the day. So like set a little gentle alarm on your smartphone for, and in my uh, stress and anxiety course, I call this the Wu Wei spot check. Right? Wu Wei is this idea of like the right action in the moment, but you've got, oh, I love it. you got to yeah. be, must be present to win, right? You know, like you can't, you can't mm. know what the right action and the right moment is if you're not in the moment. So being able to stop and just take stock of like, what's going on right now? And what do I really need? Like, wow, right. I, have I had to pee for the last 10 minutes? Like, do I need to rest? Do I need food? Do I need to connect with this person? Like, you know, like what's really important underneath underneath what my mind may be telling me. So that idea of stopping and and co connecting with the breath without judgment and then encouraging it to become steady, even, and a little slower, I think can be huge for people trying to just develop a, a, a connection with their intuition, with their bodies, and just to slow down a little bit. Mm, beautiful. So everybody out there listening today is going to be setting their alarm on their smartphone three times and we're going to be taking 10 conscious breaths. And is there any particular count we need to be mindful of doing or is that just... No, like whatever, just, just breathe in normally and count to whatever number you count to and then breathe out that same number and mm -hmm. just, just focus on even. And then mm. a, a kind of a more advanced practice is to extend your exhalation by two counts. So you're basically mm. kind of ratcheting down into that parasympathetic mode. But for a lot of people, it's like that can be, that can, you don't want to create panic when you're working with pranayama. And so it's like you, you want to be gentle. And so it's super gentle to just focus on allowing the inhale and exhale to be the same length. And if that's difficult to do, um, as I said, I have, I have a free little guided meditation that people can take advantage of, or you can do it standing. And as you inhale, float the arms up overhead. And as you exhale, let the palms descend in front of the body down to your low belly. And so that, oh, that, I love that idea. That's, yeah. a, that's the, the little Qigong thing that people can grab. Mm, beautiful. I will add all the links to the show notes as well as the course you've got coming up for people who want to dive into Chinese medicine a little bit deeper and get your nerd on. Or, or maybe a lot deeper. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This course is like my, it's my baby about, um, I created it last year at this time when I was realizing that there's so much wisdom in Chinese medicine, but it's hidden in these jargony books that get super technical way too quickly, or it's really dumbed down into this like notion of balance and, you know, you can't really make use mm. of it. And so I created the course for people who are curious about the body mind or people who want to to do self-care on a whole other level and be able to really understand themselves 
from a mind body spirit perspective just in a new way and so things like eating with the seasons and and how to take care of of each of the organ systems in a holistic way and how it all fits together a little bit about the history of chinese medicine with um an allopathic medicine it's kind of all in there as well as just a couple of choice points per meridian that you can make use of for for common conditions so that's kind of this it's this eight-week course and it starts march 7th beautiful i i can't wait to be there i'm gonna do it yay so um hopefully i'll see some of you guys there too do we have a private facebook group is it is that yeah, part of it as well definitely. Or, the, great yeah, private awesome. facebook group exists and there's a few live calls to get your questions answered and yeah it's basically just like i just love chinese medicine and i love sharing it with people and so yeah that it's and, and it's really there's not a lot of people out there teaching chinese medicine to lay people so i just felt like all right mm. this is totally mine to do and um and i'll see where it goes awesome mm-hmm. well good luck with it Thanks. thank you so much for joining me today again it won't be the last time and uh, and we shall hear from you soon. Alex, it's always super fun to chat with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week.